Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. Always media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, and uh, actually, it's a, this is this, this is this is a really cool way to intro the show today because um, sometime yesterday, uh, word started going around uh, Twitter and, and and in email inboxes that Brighton SEO, the uh, arguably the um, world's SEO conference, uh, you know, the way like New York is the capital city of Earth. <laughs> uh, Brighton SEO is kind of like the world's SEO conference, and it's um, well, it's coming to North America. Um, uh, Kelvin Newman, founder of Rough Agenda, the company that 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 organizes Brighton SEO, uh, started teasing tweets last night or yesterday afternoon, um, saying that uh, uh, Brighton SEO is coming over here, and so we went to Twitter and uh, went to Kelvin and invited him on the show. And um, to our great surprise, he said, yeah. And so Kelvin Newman, welcome to Webcology. It is. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me along today. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, excited to have a chat and yeah, um, share a little bit of what some of our plans are and just sort of generally say hello, really, I suppose. Okay. Well, Brighton, um... the big thing, <laughs> the big thing, your, your Brighton SEO is coming to um, North America. Um, when and where? Like, where, where you, why? You, Oh, when, where, and why? How's that? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, I mean, it's never a bad thing to, I suppose, set the scene in terms of a little bit about what Brighton SEO is for people who you kind of aren't familiar. It's always a strange one to to me to kind of think that, like, we've got this kind of international reputation, albeit that we know uh, more and more people have been travelling from further and further afield to attend the event. But, yeah, it's sort of, yeah, for a long time. So Brighton is a city um, in in the UK on the, the, the south coast, um, sort of like a seaside city um kind of one of these sort of like it's got a pier um was yes got you know got a few bits and pieces that was kind of this victorian period um sort of seaside destination and yeah we've been organizing an seo event there for a number of years and it started out like as a a few people meeting in an upstairs room of a pub um you know informally after work on a friday evening a few people who worked in seo in brighton got together to kind of have a bit of a chat and then we kind of had the idea if um someone was prepared to like you know borrow a projector from the office we could go down the pub at lunchtime so that's kind of how the event started it was just an excuse that like well we rather than spend like wait until work's finished if we get a projector and someone sort of like does a talk then it's work so we can kind of go down the pub <laughs> so that's kind of how it started and yeah like sort of spiraled out of control from there so yeah the events um in the uk um uh, takes place twice a year so like every six months um about four thousand people per event from i think 50 different countries i always say 40 but i've been corrected recently that it's actually 50 so yeah lots of people traveling to kind of get together and learn about seo and yeah it's a yeah it's been one that we run yeah sort of coming up to about 14 years or so and yeah like the doing something in the states has long been on the list but it's finally getting to the point where yeah we're we're, we're keen to do it and start talking about it well i think it's interesting that uh the uh, origin of seo conferences often start in pubs 
Funny well, I, I think it, yeah, it's a very chatty community, isn't it? People like to get together and share, yeah. and like, yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, it's it sort of lends yeah. itself well to that kind of format, and yeah, I mean, there's lots of events out. You know, we're quite different from that now in terms of how we work, but yeah, I think that kind of yeah, there's, oh, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. I think uh, we're the only ones who understand what each other do, so it's a perfect <laughs> setting. <laughs> well, this is um, there's been 27 iterations of uh, Brighton SEO since uh, 2010 when when you started above uh, it was a Quadrant Pub. Yeah. Um, why a show over in the U.S. Um, and do you, do you think that'll that'll be different? Will will it be a different tone of show? Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how it shakes out in terms of what's similar and what's the same. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the logic from our perspective is, yeah, we've always kind of, it's been one that, like, we, we're very fortunate that um, lots of um, speakers, attendees, sponsors, all of all the people kind of involved with the show, um, quite a number have come across from uh, from the States for, for a number of years. And for a long time have kind of said, you should really do something in the States. And we know we've kind of, thought about it and it's been kind of on the list for you know a period of time something that we'd like to do but we wanted to be kind of in the place where we felt we could do a good job of it and interestingly like over the last couple of years there's been you know a bit of a shake-up and changes in terms of the calendar and what events are happening and what aren't happening so yeah the kind of it felt like there was a good time for the, for those reasons and we were very fortunate to hire someone um who became available who was like Lindsay um Lindsay um who used to run the search love and hero comp events became available so it's kind of all i think often with business and you know kind of serendipity of things kind of came together to to make it um you make it all happen and yeah it'll be interesting to see what kind of elements that you know that the you know the u.s audience respond to which aspects they like watch you know we've been doing a lot of kind of asking people recently in terms of like well what what about the event is you know the bits that they value the most and that'll vary from event you know different conferences and different events will have like different strengths and weaknesses and kind of trying to go well what's what's the core bit of us that like we would think that if we were doing an event in another country we we'd need to do and bring across to kind of have some some consistency of of experience or like i don't know um speaking of speaking of consistency of experience i think People who are used to attending conferences organized in North America are, are really used to a top-down, a top-heavy approach mm-hmm. to the conference organizing. And um, Brighton SEO is a little bit different than that. Um, how do you how do y'all go about getting speakers and um, uh, uh, and vendors? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, so our speaking selection process is. Um, I mean, yeah, we we go about it in a slightly different way. I mean, we pride ourselves, and some some of this is like the nature of how our like event business model operates but like we're very keen like um we encourage as many new speakers as we possibly can that's something that's kind of like a key thing that we've kind of become known for and kind of like allowing different sorts of topics that perhaps might not um always find their way into to other programs and how they do it so i think usually a conference organizer would often have like a big strong curation angle kind of going well here's the topics i want to have covered um and here's the people who i know are good speakers and then kind of come at it from that way whereas our approach is a bit more like well we've got a google form up it's up all year round when you've got a good idea for a talk someone pitch it and kind of we almost start from the topic rather than the you know like the individual talks topic rather than okay here's a we really want someone to be talking about chat gpt at this point in time and therefore we know that person's a really good speaker on chat gpt and approaching them that way and it yeah it kind of allows us to 
potentially bring in some slightly different voices or just different perspectives really um so yeah there's a kind of like bottom-up community aspect to that in terms of even in the programming that once we've even decided what talks we're going to have we you know throw it to the audience and say well we've got lots of rooms so it's multi-track the 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 uk event and the us event will be the same um and rather than kind of going me as like an organizer i don't know what talks are going to be most popular i have a view but i I, like we like ask the audience right so we kind of go well what do you at this moment which of these talks that we've got planned are you most excited about and we kind of program accordingly so the topics that people are really interested in at that point in time they go in the big room the ones that are like you know perhaps slightly more niche in appeal they kind of go in a slightly different space and that kind of allows you to sort of respond to that and it yeah it's a little bit of kind of on my part I like to throw things to the audience because it saves me the difficulty of making those tough decisions um but yeah it's like that's that's kind of part of the yeah cultural DNA it's kind of like well you know I've got no uh perfect answers to any of the questions so I'll I'll ask our audience and they'll usually help us come to some kind of decision well, they're going to be in a quadri this year, given that 90% of your pitches are going to be about chat GPT. Now it's when I'm looking at was the pitch written by chat GPT. That's what I'm looking for now. That's the, the, so the what, happens if you get a, what happens if you get a pitch written by chat GPT? Well, you know, it's, if it's done a good job, you know, in, fair, in fairness, it's, you know, at that point, it's hard to tell, isn't it, really? But yeah, it's, a, it's interesting, though, in that process of kind of selecting speakers, it's like, there's certainly a knack to, um, you know, like putting them together, um, certainly for sure. And I think that some people are really good at that knack. And um, yeah, that's a, it's an interesting skill set. I think sometimes that people can be really, really knowledgeable, like search marketers, um, but sometimes might struggle to find like the idea of a concept of a good talk. And, you know, that's an interesting skill that I think certain people are able to develop and do well on. And interestingly, we've seen a lot of people who are getting mentored um often do quite well because they've got people who like you know have got that knack of kind of going okay well what did you want to talk about well how do you find the angle in that to make it a a good talk but also a good pitch for a talk as well yeah that uh i i struggle a little bit on the pitching part <laughs> so that's really, that's really well, good it's a tricky one isn't it because like, you don't really about. know what precisely you're going to cover until oh. it's finished do you that's half the challenge sometimes i think it's like here's your blank you know your blank entry submission and you're like uh i don't know what they want i don't know what to pitch so it's really great that you mentor people i know you guys are known for that so and i have to say it's been a little bit of fomo the last like four or five years of wanting to come so badly to brighton and it just hasn't worked out so i was so excited to hear you guys were coming to you know yeah yeah and i mean i think the reality is is that like there's yeah this huge search marketing community there in the states and we know there's like events and meetups and all kinds of things that happen there already but yeah, what we're excited to do is kind of provide a slightly, yeah, like a forum or an opportunity to bring some of those people together in a way that like either, you know, there isn't quite done at the moment in the, in the way that we hope that there will be. And that'll be because we know that it's tricky for the international travel. And, you know, one of the, you know, um, you know, if you're looking for kind of um, good sides that came out of the, the the lockdown situation that we had a couple of years ago, it kind of did encourage us and other events to kind of go, well, how can people experience it if they're not physically there in the room? So we've been doing online stuff and that kind of thing as well. And, but yeah, it's, there's not, there is a, you know, as a person who organizes events for a living, it's like, I find a huge amount of energy that comes from getting people together in a room who are interested, who have mutually shared interests. Um, and yeah, like that, there's a, it's hugely energizing um, I, for me as a kind of an organizer, but I, you know, hopefully for everyone who's attending and that's why kind of people, you know, are drawn to events in various shapes and 
platforms across all kinds of different sectors. But search particularly, I think um, there's some aspects to our collective like psyche <laughs> that, that, that kind of <laughs> that, it's like in the DNA of search, isn't it? To kind of, you know, learn things, share things and help each other out uh, in a way that I think perhaps some other industries perhaps don't quite have that same sort of like mentality about it. Yeah, if, if for people who don't know in the U.S., the uh, Brighton SEO is sort of um, like the conference for Europe where everybody um, that can make it comes to hang out and see each other and attend the talks. And, and I, you know, I don't think we have one of those in the United States anymore. Like we used to have quite a few mm. where it's just like the conference everyone has to go to. Well, that, was SES, know, that was SES San Jose. Yeah, now. Yeah. Um, or, or, and then, and then the SMX series, but they sort of petered out after COVID. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, so SMX was having some problems even before COVID. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we haven't had that one big organizing event for a while where everyone wants to come and, and the people from Europe that we know want to come and we mm-hmm. can all kind of get together. And I think that's just going to be such a great addition to the U.S. conference circuit. Yeah. We really, really need that right now. Yeah. And I, I mean, one of the things that I've not even really mentioned, but like is a big part of, I think, of how we approach it is that so we do this kind of like a decent chunk of our tickets are, are free to attend. Um, which can have quite a big impact in terms of like um, who's able to attend. Now, obviously there's always people still need to travel to the event and there's all that kind of aspect to it. But um, yeah, we've kind of made this decision. There's a a significant proportion of the people that are attending the event are kind of able to attend for, you know, the tickets for free. Um, And that kind of potentially allows, yeah, it opens it up, I think, in a way sometimes that kind of like that big, you know, um, ticket price purchase can be, you know, can be tricky for people to justify um, doing that. So, yeah, that's kind of a key part of like what I and that then allows you to kind of get once you get a core group of like, you know, over over a thousand people attending, then there's a kind of network effect to a certain extent that like because that many people are attending, the value of every extra person attends goes up higher, if you see what I mean. So I think there's a nice it's, you know, it's intimate small gatherings are great, but I think there's also some like great value to when you've got you know, you know, you're going to bump into a lot of interesting people uh, just because there's a lot of them there, right? That's a um, a big part of the appeal, I think, for for large scale events. That's for sure. Very much. Can you, by the way, explain that ticket process? I know it because I've been wanting to attend for years. <laughs> so I've <laughs> learned about it, but I don't think that's something anyone in the US will be familiar with. I don't know, Jim. Do you know any conference that's large in the US free to decades? get in? No, I don't yeah. think any. I don't think anybody on this side of the Atlantic has yeah. any familiarity with this concept yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I suppose it's like, for want of a better description, we are like a freemium business, really. Like Brighton SEO is. So there's like a, a level of like involvement in the event that you can have for free, and there's also then pay for options that give you additional like perks, really. So, um, so yeah, what that essentially is, is the way that it works in the uk and will be the the way that we're anticipating working in the states is that we have a ballot for those free tickets um that's open we're gonna i think we're in the states we're gonna have it open for a bit longer we do it for 48 hours in the uk but i think we might do it a little bit longer in the states for our, our first couple of launch events to kind of give people a chance to do that and essentially it's like saying well if you want to go for free here's your chance to apply for that ticket and a proportion of people will be successful in that ballot and a proportion won't be because you know um, you know, in theory, at least, we're expecting that there will be more people than there are those, you know, tickets to attend. There'll still be like a decent chunk of those. Um, and then that one then will allocate those. So that means that those people are able to attend. But we also offer pay for tickets. So for people who don't want to go through that ballot process, they can buy a two day. So it's basically it's free for a single day. If you want to pay, you can go for two days. That's like the short version of kind of 
how it works. And then you can buy those pay for tickets before we allocate the free ones or we can buy them afterwards. And for a lot of people, the kind of they they value that additional two days to justify the trip or to, um, you know, they're the kind of organization that can fund and justify those sort of expenses. But if they're a smaller SME or they're a junior at an agency or, you know, they're a brand side generalist who just wants to get into search, but might struggle to justify the kind of, you know, um, you know, thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars that it might be to go to another conference can kind of try search before they they kind of get involved. And like our logic is, is what we find is people get huge value from it when they attend for free. So the next time around they buy a ticket and because they want to go for two days and kind of get all the value from that. So yeah, that's kind of how it works. And it's you know it's a business model thing from our side as much as anything. You know, like it's a it allows us to know that we've got it can make it more valuable for a sponsor or exhibitor in that aspect. Um, and yeah, in the in the world of events, they call them complexes, where it's kind of like a, you know, it's not a trade show exhibition where you might have like 30,000 people coming in for an hour or so at a time. But it's not a, a conference where you've got, you know, $2,000 tickets and, you know, a couple hundred people. It's kind of somewhere in the middle of those two. With the, we think the best of both bits of those business model. And, you know, that sort of taps into my, um, like, a, like I, I, I was very fortunate early on in my career to speak at and attend some great, you know, SESs and SMXs in London. Um, and they had a like a pretty profound impact on my development as a search marketer. So it's kind of I really want people to have that opportunity to kind of go and learn from, you know, their peers and hopefully get them really excited about the industry. Because I think sometimes people can like find themselves getting into search. Um, and yeah, if you can kind of get them excited about, you know, what's new and what's happening and, you know, the, what people are prepared to share and learn about then they can hopefully build themselves a really nice career off the back of that you know it's been uh I'm, I'm, Calvin, as, as you well know it's been it just 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 occurred to me though it's been like three years since there's been uh large-scale uh in, in on-site conferences and that means there are people with like um senior developer after their names mm. who have never who've got two or three years experience in the industry who've never mm. actually experienced a uh what a conference was like yeah and... i mean it's gonna yeah it's gonna be interesting because i think certainly like in you see it in like school environments as well it's kind of it's a different journey of what would have been a normal career pattern yeah it's definitely gonna have been different for people that's for sure well for people who haven't been to a conference um the you've 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 read articles by people in the industry and you've you know got your wisdom and your education you you you, you almost in many ways you almost feel like you know them sometimes mm. At conferences, you actually get to meet them, hang out with them, have supper with them, um, hear them speak, um, uh, get get cues from their body language, and more importantly, talk to them about like real world problems, um, real world issues that you're dealing with, and see their take on it. And it's actually such a it's such a cool experience, especially when you're in a room full of people who speak the same language you do, mm. and that's so rare. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's yeah. Sorry, Christy, I'm talking about you. No, there. no, no. It's okay. No, I was just going to say, whenever I was uh, new to the industry and I go to a conference, I feel like I accelerated my knowledge by six months to a year. Because well, and real and family it, has been made through these. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we all live. We live our lives like with each other online, and then we come to conferences on that time um, in real life. So it's it's like kind of a coming home I think yeah and there's I don't know to the extent that like um you know for the listeners and kind of um you know their situation but certainly like we've seen a pattern as well that like as more and more companies have like perhaps made decisions to go distribute and remote which I'm a big fan of like we've always been a distributed remote business um but as even more companies have kind of made that switch to 
maybe not all being in the office at the same point in time or maybe not even having an office it's also kind of it you know we're seeing not just our events but other events where it's often a really nice opportunity for people who to either get together who wouldn't do or at least spend more time together than they perhaps normally would in kind of like a a learning environment but also a social environment as well and that kind of opportunity to yeah you know go and grab a meal with someone or you know we do things like we do like you know morning runs or beach cleans and stuff like that or you know go for a beer as well there's plenty of that that goes on as well um and yeah it's kind of it's like I'm a big fan of that kind of opportunity to yeah like spend time with people um who are you know knowledgeable and interesting and kind of providing a bit of a forum for that to happen so for for listeners who are wondering um brighton seo is nearing um the end of their contract process with wherever whomever and whenever (laughs) they're um they're booking with and they for fear of jinxing it or something worse like leaving higher sky falling aren't actually going to talk about that but what i can ask is when can you talk about it yeah yeah well it's a matter of days and weeks away so i mean i think our plan is like i suppose in terms of broader context is you know if everything goes in the way that we're hoping it's going to we're going to be very quickly to doing two events in the states per year that's our kind of plan wow um and like not necessarily east coast west coast because i don't think our locations are going to precisely align with that but certainly in terms of you know in two different locations (laughs) but depending on where you are in the states um, one might be easy to get to the other and vice versa we're Uh, incredibly curious people do not drop hints that's not fair. <laughs> I could just say Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> I tell you, it's, it's amazing here. the kind of like um, advocacy we have of various different cities. Like genuine, this is the thing that's kind of like like we've kind of gone okay. Well, that's like as many as we can kind of like squeeze into our calendars to make work. But genuinely, I reckon there's yeah, there's some great locations that like yeah, you could make work because there's a uh, so many big advocates of like yeah, like yeah, Vegas, uh, San Francisco, San Diego, like all of these different New York. It's like all these different cities where people are kind of going. You should really do it there, and you kind of going. Yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good argument. The, the best ones I've found is those because obviously it's called Brighton SEO and the event will be called Brighton SEO in the States as well, even though there's a city there that, in the UK that's named after that. But it's amazing the various Brightons that people have discovered. So there's, there's a Brighton <laughs> in Boston, there's a Brighton in Brooklyn. I found someone's pointed one out to me today that I didn't know about in Colorado and saying you should do it there. And it's like, well, I'm tempted because, um, you know, we keep the branding simpler. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, um, they've not necessarily always got the right venues for it. Yeah, didn't didn't Bill Hartzer rename his uh, the mountain he lives on Brighton Hill or something? <laughs> uh, that might be a little hard to get to that one. <laughs> Kelvin, Ten thousand feet up. <laughs> you've you've repeatedly uh, you and your team have done the industry at a massive service with uh, with Brighton SEO. I mean, it's definitely Europe's uh, home SEO conference, but it's increasingly the one that that speakers from North America really have to speak at to have that to have that uh experience that feather in their cap and uh that networking um i'm really glad you were able to join us today thank you so much well, thanks so much for having me i really enjoyed yeah talking a bit about it and i'm yeah really excited to get everyone together because it is one of these things that yeah i've been talking about it and like asking lots of questions where you know the very clever search people of this world have started to put two and two together and start to kind of like oh well, are you doing this and it's kind of nice to be able to talk about it publicly rather than kind of like slightly hidden away in questions about cities <laughs> that people are visiting and like all that kind of stuff that I've been doing in quite a bit. the dark rooms and the corners. <laughs> Just real quick, uh, Cal- uh, Calvin, not Calvin, sorry. <laughs> I know that you have put online um, uh, general interest form, a pitch form and a vendor form. Is there someone mm. they can find all those? Yeah. So if they go to brightonseo.com forward slash US, and there's a link there for kind of like signing up to find out more information about where it is. But yeah, particularly that if people want to speak, 
because now is like the perfect time for that. And I know that there, I'm sure there's many people listening who would have liked, who have, um, you know, our regular conference speakers, who would have liked to have come to Brighton SEO, but the travel hasn't made sense. But I particularly want to hear from people who've never spoken at a conference before, because, you know, in many cases, they're the people who are like, yeah, right at the, the cutting edge and doing the really interesting stuff. And if you've ever like had that bit of a itch or desire to share that knowledge or experience that you've got, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from those people. I totally got one for you. Chat GPT and its effect on podcasting. (laughs) There you Uh, go, ready to go. (laughs) Okay, Kelvin, uh, when the announcement gets made, I'm pretty sure within 10 minutes of you being on on Twitter and and, and tweeting it out, it's going to go um, pretty viral inside the community. But folks, hit up Kelvin with your ideas um, and with your pitches through, um, through the website. Um, if you're going to message him on LinkedIn, make sure it's not to offer him some service or know that he doesn't already have. <laughs> um, and again, uh, Kelvin Newman, um, thank you so much for your time today. Eh? Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, be well. Thank you, Kelvin. Folks, that was Kelvin Newman, uh, the organizer of, um, well, basically the, the world's SEO conference, Brighton SEO. It's coming to North America when and where we don't quite know yet, but um it's real. Uh, if you're interested in uh, pitching or more importantly, if you're interested in, in, in vending, because um, these, these conferences attract a, a really cool crowd, but they're actually supported by their vendors. Um, do the industry a favor. Sign up, sign up early, um, give a good pitch, or um, think about the offering you could make to thousands. And it might be a bit... Uh, I hope they get a big space because I'm pretty sure in North America they'll be able to fill it. Um, Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) I want to push for Toronto, to be honest, but. um, So far, so far. (laughs) Anyway, get your pitches in, get your vending plans in, and um, let's make this thing a serious reality because it would be lovely to have. He said twice a year. That would be so cool. It would be because we really are missing that, you know, collective spot where everyone can meet there's still pubcom but it's kind of been located mostly in texas since the pandemic which uh, isn't yeah. necessarily feasible for everyone to get to so with calvin having two locations that uh, at least once a year probably someone's within a two or three hour flight that's not that expensive um that would be that would be pretty cool to have that kind of thing plus it has such a, a european following i bet a lot of the people from europe would come and that's just always such a great experience because they're doing seo differently than we do and have a lot of you know really in- intelligent incredibly gifted people in this space and so it's always nice to get everyone together well, it's always uh, fun to meet people from other countries and you know i and there is actually some people in the in the european seo crew who um i want i want to sit at the bar with and hear their war stories because um what i've read what i've read about some of their accomplishments are legendary and uh just you know hearing the setup and how, how they work out that x y and z would happen if they did this that would be that would be a that would be a fun adventure. Yeah, very much so. Okay, so speaking of ChatGPT, we kind of got to talk about ChatGPT, eh? <laughs> it's everywhere again. Um, Always and forever. <laughs> this is actually a last week story, but it's an important last week story. Um, that's actually had you know uh, a whole week to germinate and um, appear. So, um, ChatGPT users um, are going to be getting access to dozens of uh, third-party plugins, um, Expedia, Kayak, Instacart. Um, 
the, 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 the think of the gathering tasks that that these websites do. Um, now you get like ChatGPT plus plugins to do these gathering tasks for you. Um, I don't know if that's actually going to revolutionize how we use the internet, but I think it's going to revolutionize how the internet does its thing. Yeah, you know, I was really, I pay for the, you know, ChatGPT plus, and I was really hoping to check it out before the show, but for some reason I am not able to locate where I get all the access to this. (laughs) So hopefully by next week I'll have a chance to use some of them. But, you know, as a productivity tool, I think, you know, ChatGPT has a lot of value there. So I think these will be very helpful for that. I think when it gets into like answering questions, it's eh, a different story. But. <laughs> well, again, we'll see. We'll see how people's use of it works out. And in fact, we're going to see pretty quickly because if you signed up for um, uh, 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 Google's um, AI offerings, uh, today's the day a whole swath of invites got sent out for the um, search generative experience experience. Mine did not. I did not get one yet. I'm so I'm, sad. I'm in Canada. I'm not getting one. Oh, that's right. You can't get access to it, can you? No, Canada, Germany, Australia, and a few other um, countries that are in active dispute over information distribution uh, practices with Google um, to get access to this information. <laughs> What makes you feel any better? I'm in the U.S. and I don't have access either. And I signed up right away. So I apparently did not make the cut yet. So, but it will be, it will be interesting to see. Although, do we, do we want to get into that just yet? The, well, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if we're actually really qualified to get into it, given that neither of us can get into it. Um, <laughs> but if well, you we have see. Layouts and stuff. Well, yeah. If you see a little, um, uh, uh, Beaker appear at the top um, left corner of your mobile device um, or of your search screen when you go to Google. Click on it. You've got access to a. Um, um, no, that, 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 that's the prompt, is it not? No, I thought so. But yesterday I had a little beaker and I clicked on it and said, You're still on the wait list. So it just tells me your status, I think. Oh, I, I, I understood that, that again, um, probably within hours, you're, you're, you might be getting access. Oh, let's see. Let's see. Let's I keep, just, you're, you're, yeah. you're going to be banging away on this for the rest of the show, eh? Yeah, no, I like just went and clicked on it just to make sure. And it says, thank you for your interest in Search Labs. We will let you know when experiments are ready for you. Leave wait list, or you can hear about Search Labs on the apps. <laughs> That's all I got. Well, That's the voice I hear in my head. <laughs> Thanks for your interest in Search Labs. Well, you know. I mean, I have access yet, but I do have the beaker. If you if you did have access to Search Labs, you'd have more than people who pay for access to Chat GPT do, because um, can't find that either. According to OpenAI, Chat GPT is um, have experiencing a worldwide downage. Yes, today, yeah. When people hear the story, it'll probably be fixed by them. But right now, it's they're having some troubles. I am curious because um, in the hearing last was it last week with. Congress, opening mm-hmm. I attended, he said that they were running out of GPU space and he kind of wished people would use less of it. And Bing has had the same problem too. I'm wondering if they're running out of GPU space. I don't know that that's it, but they were saying they're running dangerously close to running out of GPU space to run ChatGPT. Now, 
I was thinking about how that statement, like how can they how can they run out of like GPU space? Um, their infrastructure is just too wimpy, and as more and more people pile into using this, um, their overclocked computers are are overheating and um, you know, just <laughs> basically blowing up in server rooms across across North America. Like, is, that, is that what's going down? I think we're in the cloud now, so other another server would take over, but. No, the GPU, you know, of course, they're only going to allocate so many. The whole process of this in a generative chat is very, very, very expensive. So uh, it takes a lot of computer power. It takes more computer power than crypto does. And we know how much crypto takes. Well, where so, I think they get screwed, and definitely in, 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 in the power it takes to, do, to perform the um, quote-unquote thinking that that, that that is. But what about storage? Remembering all those experiences and thoughts. Um, I too. I, I can't imagine what that's like. And then my, having my, to access that memory again. I mean, you know how hard yeah. it is with a headless, with a, with a rogue headless site. Yeah, my my very unpopular, no, nothing to base this on except what I'm hearing from the, how expensive this is, is I, I wonder if all this is going to be here in a year. Because with Bing maxing out GPU space and not having an appreciative increase in, in users market share like it has a slight increase but no increase in market share and um you know google hasn't even brought theirs online yet and chat gpt in a hearing says they wish they would use it less uh tells me that it's it's becoming a, a difficulty cost wise so we'll see how we'll see how it progresses i, I have a feeling they're gonna start limiting your charging or something because it is very 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 expensive to run this the, the, the timing on all of this is um well, how to say this? The timing on these stories overruns and collides with each other frequently, and that's because a lot is happening um, development-wise very, very quickly. But our processes, are the way we structure contracts and business deals and make arrangements in the real, not-so-AI-empowered world is much slower. Today, for instance, like, like you just said, oh. that, that, that Altman wants a you know, would would probably prefer a bit of a slowdown on the way um, AI is used because it's yeah. just eating resources. And today, um, Yusuf Mehdi, VP at Microsoft, um, announces that ChatGPT is going to be integrated into everything to do with Bing Search. In fact, it's the default in Bing Search now. Do you, do you just back up one second? I just looked it up. It costs, you want to guess how much it costs a day to run ChatGPT? Um, well, when you say it costs X amount of data to run ChatGPT, I'm not sure what that means exactly, given how ChatGPT. But okay, basically, ch- the ChatGPT, not the integrations with Microsoft, just okay. straight ChatGPT. Want to take a guess? No. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say five figures, six figures, seven figures? Oh, ten figures, twenty figures. Oh, no, no, I have no, no I have a clue. <laughs> a, a lot. It costs almost a million dollars a day. The estimate is seven hundred thousand dollars a day to run just ChatGPT. Oh, for who? For OpenAI. Oh my God, that's, is that all? Seven hundred thousand a day. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, it is, but we we live in we live in the world of billion do- of multi billion dollar valuations. Um, seven hundred thousand dollars a day actually doesn't sound like a lot of money. But, but that's a lot of money going out. I don't get that kind of money coming in yet. Ah, so. uh, well, that's the problem with multi multi-billion yeah. dollar valuations. Often there's no uh, actual yeah. floor beneath them except potential. <laughs> I know. I want people to give me money based on my potential, not my actual value. They did. That that's was called that was called the schooling process. 
<laughs> Let's see. I wonder how much money that is a month. Seven hundred thousand dollars a day. What would that be? Uh, I got a little calculator here. Let's see. Uh, a couple bill over a year, I think. I'm not sure myself. A couple billion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It looks like it's twenty-one million a month. Is that right? Yeah. Well, if you estimate to a million, if you did a million a day, thirty days, so yeah, it'd be about twenty-one million a month. Well, in that case, no, that's, not even, that's, that's not a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah. But this, but um, eating that's, up all that processing power is—that's yeah. phenomenal. Um, yeah. But then again, I, I see that being solved by, by by scaling upwards. And this is before that they added the plugins and the things. This is just a straight go to OpenAI and type in the box well, for seven hundred thousand dollars a day. So obviously, it's much more than that once they start to integrate it and send it everything. Again, I, yeah, I think that's 700000 That's why I was wondering, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, it's, it's very just, low. Yeah, it's just for, the, just for the box when people actually go to the site and shut top in the box. Um, so ChatGPT is going to become the default search engine for Bing. No, um, no Bing is going to become the default search engine for ChatGPT. Oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. Uh, the other that's way okay. around. Yeah, Bing has um, already integrated ChatGPT, so this is the update. So, so ChatGPT will be scouring Bing's index to come Maybe. up with new and new and innovative answers. Yeah, I didn't get. I I went on Twitter and the person who announced it. I went and and tried to get an answer. I did not get an answer because, as we know, Bing doesn't Bing Chat, which uses ChatGPT, doesn't use the internet. It uses Orchestrator and Prometheus to bring back contextual links based on a search and then things that those programs do to try to make them relevant. Um, so I don't know if it's integrated into search or they're using it as a training model, which would be different. So it's not, uh, and I can't get an answer from Google yet. We're waiting for that response to come back on how they're doing it. But Bing just uses the predictive text model to answer what you put in. And then it brings back the contextual links. It's not, it's not integrated into search. Uh, so we don't, I don't know how this one works because they're not clear. I've read a bunch of articles on it. And so I'm hoping to hear back from the guy, maybe we can clarify next week on how they're actually doing it. Because as we know, Bing uses Orchestrator and Prometheus. And is ChatGPT using that? Or are they actually using Bing as a training model? Or are they actually going out and like doing a search and then summarizing them? Which would be very different integrations. So I, there's no clear answer on that right now. Okay, so these, um, these apps, these, these um, uh, new ways to uh, work with and integrate um, chat GPT's AI into your daily process. Um, there was a cool article up at Search Engine Journal uh, posted um, on May 23rd. Uh, Olga Zar was, was the author. It's uh, 22 of the best chat GPT Chrome extensions to try. Um, notice the word try. This isn't an, and, 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 and are mentioning any of these. Is it no way an endorsement of them or of the product that comes out of them? But if you learn how to use them, they might increase your own productivity. And it's really easy. Now they can make them as Chrome plugins. Um, (laughs) so it's easy to use them. And I, I, do you remember when, 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 when browser plugins became a thing? I mean, oh my God, it changed, it changed the world. Oh gosh, you want me to remember when? <laughs> oh, this has this is this is probably two thousand and 
2000, 2002. I mean, there was Netscape stuff, but it was like clunky as heck. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't remember, but I do know. Yeah. I, I think it started, didn't it start with like Firefox? It, it, was start be- from? it was better than the advent of cruise control. Let me tell you. <laughs> better um, than sliced bread, man. <laughs> very probably Firefox and Mozilla. Very probably Firefox. Yeah, I think that's where it's I could be wrong. Oh. Um, so anyway, there's, um, check out the article. As I said, there's uh, 22 recommendations here. Um, so we're not going to go through all of them. But um, uh, many of them will, will allow you to use uh, uh, ChatGPT with Google, with Tweet, with Twitter. Um, help, it'll help with your writing, which weirds me right out. Um, I mean, I've had a hard enough time with like, live human editors. I can't imagine dealing with a ChatGPT editor. Um, <laughs> can't yell at them. You, you, you can't bully ChatGPT like you can a human editor. Um, or trade them. Anyway, a whole bunch of different plugins. Check out the article, and it's it's you know it's again adapt or die, right? Yeah, pretty much at this point, as fast as everything's moving. Well, and here's the weird thing: if you adapt to something, and this is just like 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 you like you just said about five five ten minutes ago, um, it's easy to introduce something. It's not necessarily so easy to sustain it in the long run. Ask yeah. Google. They got plenty of experience in this. Um, <laughs> Google Plus, anyone? Um, or Orkit <laughs> or any of the other Google offerings before it. ChatGPT is being integrated into everything now, but it's absurdly expensive. And the while the potentials are extraordinary, the returns are um, – they'll find a way to monetize this damn thing. They really will, but they haven't <laughs> entirely yet. Um, although, although <laughs> but the thing I want to get to is what if it goes away one day? What if sun- suddenly through um, the um, uh, uh, heavy hand of the market or through the often heavier hand of government regulation, um, what if you um, start integrating something into your business process and then suddenly kaboof, it's gone? Like, um OpenAI is threatening to pull out of the e- of the EU if um, regulators keep regulating. Yeah, the interesting thing is they're stuck on is the EU wants them to disclose any copyrighted material used to develop their systems. And they, I don't know if they can't do that, but they don't want to do that. And that's the sticking point right now and what would cause them to pull out. Although they do say they're going to try to meet the, the EU regulations, which have not been set yet, they're still discussing exactly what they're going to be, but they are going to be pretty stringent, just like their privacy. Uh, and they actually have levels, um, they are deciding on levels of harm for the regulations. So the more harmful your AI can be, the more likely you are to get heavy regulations. And if it's just something like, you know, your grammarly uses ChatGPT to help you write better. That would not be considered something that would be very impactful, but LLMs definitely can be impactful, very impactful. So they would fall under the strict regulations. Well, I mean, speaking, I mean, it, it, harmful is a uh, harmful is one of those words. that's almost as hard to define as helpful. Um, and uh, how to say this? One way, one one way you can describe it is harmful 
is the black mirror reality um of of uh, of ai the, the, there was this uh, um television show um most few most listeners i'm sure will have at least come across it called black mirror that just the some of the hardest dystopian science fiction um uh produced for 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 netflix it's just phenom- phenomenal um and heart-wrenching and there's one black mirror episode that i'm pretty sure um people will relate to open ai was thought to be the uh company that was going to deploy the um oh i'm sorry uh yeah tesla bot the workers that over that, that that take over the the workforce um oh it is open ai i'm sorry uh sanctuary ai and tesla uh we're going to 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 um take over the workforce with their bots, but apparently OpenAI beat them to it. They've yeah. created a robot named Eve who's been integrated oh, into security <laughs> on an Android manufacturing site. I'm not sure where. Um, okay. Eve is backed by you know advanced monitoring systems, cameras, motion detectors, but there's an, a robot Android named Eve guarding an Android factory. Yes, and it can go into the bots to fix them. Yeah, I just find it kind of, um, if you know the history of where the people that are pushing all of this tech want to go, Eve is quite the interesting name for it, since they want to merge humans with uh, bots at some point or humans with the internet. Ray Kurzweil has been on the singularity for longer than... um... Yes. Then uh, this form of AI has existed, although. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, there is definitely still a uh, movement to merge humans with machine. Um, so I find Eve is, is such an interesting name for this spot. That's all. Yeah, this is yeah. Uh, frightening as hell, actually. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a there's a whole long philosophical discussion we could get into. We'll do offline, but um, it is quite it is quite interesting. It is, to me, it's actually kind of creepy. So, because you know, eventually, what these are all going to be used for, right? Um, soldiers. Yeah, yeah, soldiers, law enforcement, things like that. Well, you know how human beings go. We don't we don't pick the light and the light highway. We go down the dark depths. Yeah, so, uh, quite yeah. frequently. Um, yeah. we'll see how this, how it works in this application. I don't even, I don't want to think about it much more because it's terrifying and I don't want to get into a culture of fear uh, it really that is. sort of stuff. Um, yeah. they show all those little cute videos where they're like playing soccer and dancing and stuff because they want you to get used to them. So when you see videos like the, in the articles about this, you don't go, oh my gosh, it's so creepy. Like, oh, cute bots. No. <laughs> Again, there was a there was a, there was another cute little video in the first season of the uh, dystopian show Black Mirror that again I think if the viewers um or I'm sorry listeners who who are familiar with it immediately like thought of it when we started talking about Eve being a security guard, um just terrifying. I feel like um I, I have a notch out of my geek card because I've not watched it. You need to watch this if you I want know, to think about AI being used in robotics. You need to see this episode. <laughs> Um, it was during the pandemic it came out, and the only thing I could watch during the pandemic was baking shows. <laughs> so, baking shows, so I need to go back and watch it. 
now it's time, yeah, now it's time to go back. And if you think you were scared then, now you know what happened after the during and after the pandemic. So you'll be doubly scared. You should have watched <laughs> it. You should have watched it when you had the chance. It's too dark. <laughs> okay. Um, so. Uh, what do we want to go to? Uh, if, you, if you wanted to ca- talk about this stuff, if you wanted to have a serious conversation about this stuff, about the implications of um, AI on the workforce, uh, maybe on the economy, um, you want to have like, you know, well, what are we going to do and how are we going to make a better world conversation about this? And you try to do it in your natural environment, say like, you know, Twitter or maybe even at Facebook, you'd probably get a really craptastic ride because um, okay. it's really hard to have a good scientific conversation at Twitter these days. In fact, um, people who like having good scientific conversations, scientists, for instance, are fleeing the place in, um, what's the, what's the collective of scientists? A, um, a bevy of oh. scientists? A, um, a trove works. of scientists? Um, anyway. Like, like both. Um, a labs anyway groups of scientists scientists climate scientists um expertise people are are leaving twitter as hostility towards their expertise surges um it's a kind of sad state of affair although um eminently predictable given um twitter has really a uh less well programmed version of 4chan these days yeah, and, and also the climate scientists who are leaving also have noticed um, some of the research they've done. Uh, the average number of likes they receive is down 38% and retweets still 40%. And then they've seen an extreme rise in disinformation bots. And, of course, they get treated just horribly. Now, I've been on a long time, and I know most of the accounts that come at you and are like, you're such a doo-doo-doo-doo head. Of course, they use other words. Um they're just fake accounts, and I just call them out for it and I block them. But if you don't know that, it can be very daunting. It can be very upsetting because they say such horrible, awful things. And I've seen scientists react to those accounts and not realizing that they're getting bombarded by a swarm of fake accounts. And I've actually told some, like, I've looked at who's talking to you. These are all fakes, just so you know. So they're, But they, they're people that get very upset because they don't, they don't know that about the environment. So now they're just leaving. Some are going to Mastodon. Um, Mastodon is very difficult to use though, so I don't think it's going to be the Twitter replacement. But when the scientists and the journalists are leaving Twitter, it's pretty much spelling the end for it being anything other than, like you said, a 4chan. Uh, I get a, a slightly a slightly crappier programmed version of 4chan because yeah. um, Twitter is unraveling and it's unraveling faster than the remaining engineers can put it back together, as witnessed by the signature major event, um, Twitter. Um, held this week, the one that I think actually might have signaled the direction Elon Musk wants to take Twitter, um, given his announcement that Tucker Carlson's coming over, the complete and abject failure of Ron DeSantis' um, presidential announcement, uh, presidential oh, candidacy yeah. announcement. Uh, that was yeah. yesterday. Um, what, 20 minutes of screwing around with audio um, it was it, 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 it was kind of like um, when you go to like um, uh, 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 well like probably like the very one of the very first SESs, very first pub cons, your very first Brighton's held in the bar with like the projector from uh, <laughs> from 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 marketing. Um, well, there's just screw well, up after screw up, technical screw up after technical screw up after technical screw up. Well, it's kind of funny because um, you can hear a clip of it on the news today. 
and uh, they got to about 780,000 people in the spaces and it just started it started crashing right you know unless it's like oh we're melting the servers i'm like dude if you can't handle 780,000 visitors uh, in rapid fire there is a serious problem at an enterprise level you know with your with your site most most anyone who doesn't do this or what we do knows that you know most large enterprise sites handle that much easily so the fact that their servers couldn't handle it is a very big indicator of how bad things are internally at the engineering level. If Twitter can't hold the mustard any longer, and maybe it can, maybe it can't, um, <laughs> I, I wish I had better news of a potential savior on the horizon. Uh, Mastodon <laughs> is there, and it's um, clunky, hard to use, um, but but nevertheless, uh, a haven for people who want to put in the effort and the time. Instagram, of all places, I mean, I wonder who's going to try to muscle in on this territory. Instagram is uh, trying to set up a, uh, or it has set up an app that... Um, apes Twitter very much. You get 500 characters. You can attach links, photos, videos. Um, And uh, Meta, for what it's worth, says they're going to have fairly strong moderation. So maybe you can actually have a intelligent conversation about something scientific without being called, um, was it duty head? Was it? Duty head. That's what we can say. Duty head. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's some other words I like, but I don't know that they're okay. For this conversation, Disney Plus doesn't, and so we can't save them. Yes. By the way, there is an interesting side to this too that they're going to make it. They say decentralized. It's not actually going to be decentralized because it's going to be run by you know Facebook, Instagram. How could they decentralize it? It's their system. (laughs) But back in the day, there was this great app called Pigeon, and it let you connect to every social and messaging app you had, and you could put out one message and like just hit everybody, everything, right? So it's going to be like that. They're going to decentralize in the sense that they're going to be like early Twitter where they have the ability for Mastodon to like connect to the system. And then you could find Mastodon users could find you on the new Instagram. And then they have a name for it, but it's weird. I think it's just like PR P92 is what it's codenamed right now or alternatively Barcelona. Um, but so Barcelona is uh, going to so allow that, like you know, Mastodon. I'll meet you in Barcelona is a pretty cool name. <laughs> it is actually. But uh, P92, not so much. But they, they're going to allow like Mastodon and others to connect. So that's the concept of uh, Jack Dorsey's Blue Sky, but not being decentralized, although Jack Dorsey's isn't really either because Jack Dorsey owns it. But, um, but so they're going to allow others to connect to it. So if it works, it will, I'm going to just predict right now, it'll take over Twitter. But do I love that? Zuckerberg is running it, not so much, but I can say that out of all the social media companies that have been held accountable, Facebook and, and Meta have been held the most accountable. So well, they're they're, they're most, also the world's biggest, remaining the biggest social network. Yeah, but they've, I mean, even outside Google and everybody that's been, you know, the regulations have been coming out, Congress is coming out. You know, didn't didn't they just have the, was the fine against Facebook last week was one. Uh, yeah, um, the EU fined them like one point seven. Yeah. I'm sorry, one point uh, four billion uh, EU. Um, yes, I have. To, I have to imagine going into a new venture where everything isn't already, you know, into the mix. That they're going, their lawyers are going to be like, nope, 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 nope. We're not opening ourselves up to another billion dollar 
$1.7 billion fine. So, well, that, that um, was a I, privacy thing. That was, that was, that was misusing right. European information. But that's been basically one of the biggest problems with Facebook privacy. And then also, of course, letting hate speech and right wingers, you know, I don't mean regular people who are Republican. I mean, like extremists, like Facebook routinely runs into Germany, into trouble in Germany um, yeah. when um, neo-Nazi content up. Uh, eeks yeah. through. And then, and for what it's worth, they try to stop it. They really do, because the fines are fairly hefty. Yeah, and that's what I mean, like racist, neo-Nazis, yeah. what I'm saying, extremists. And they did have a big problem with that. So I have to imagine going into a new platform, they're going to do their best to keep that out, because did, I can't imagine they want to open themselves up to another um, space where they're going to have massive legal issues and massive fines. Like, now you have Facebook, Instagram, and the Barcelona. I, I just have to think they're going to be more careful. But I could be wrong. I mean, it is... It is their history is not good, but out of all the ones that are held accountable, they're held accountable the most. So out of all the ones I feel comfortable going forward with at least a replacement for Twitter right now, eh, probably them because people are overseeing them. So. Well, but if you, by people overseeing them, you mean the great collective us? Keep at it, folks, no. really. Yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> no, again, I get this regulators in Europe and regulators yeah, in America. Yeah, are. And- they even have a special oversight board. So, I mean, they do have, they have done so much wrong in the history of their company that they have a lot of people looking at them, overseeing them, Congress, you know, the oversight board, things like that. So I'm just saying that out of all the people trying to start something, they're the ones who are the most likely to stay closer to the rules, but they might not given their history. But right now I think they're probably the best option because it does look from the screenshots like it'd be very similar to Twitter. So we'll see. Okay, we have time for we're up five minutes uh, from 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 full hour. We got time for one more topic, um, and this is actually an old topic, apparently something that that Google's um, been been using under the hood and not necessarily talking about. But in um, <laughs> I love the way Daddy's to freeze stuff. <laughs> in the spirit of transparency, here's what Google's been doing the last couple of years. They just told us about it. <laughs> but as if we didn't like we've all been doing that well not all i do a lot of site recoveries a lot of people missed the boat on this but i mean it's been pretty well known in the you know seo space that uh topical um authority ranking system would not be a new thing you know if you're they've said things like this in other ways for many many years like if you have one page on dog walking and the other site has 100 pages on dog walking and your site's not about dogs and dog walking, well, you probably won't rank for anything. So they've been pretty, they've said it, they just haven't said it directly. So there is, though, a new Google Doc that outlines everything about this ranking system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's a, but again, I just love it how in the mean, in the in the, in the interest of greater transparency, here's what we've been up to for the last three years. <laughs> Did you notice something? Oh, here it is. Um, and, and so, yeah, again, this is this is uh, SEOs have been have been um, playing to topic authority. Um, as, as Christine said, that, that was actually a pretty good explanation of it. The um, the bulk of um, the topical content of your website will likely dictate the authority you have on that content. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, there's, and I mean, and... there's a bunch of other ways to look at it. how many people are citing it, how many people um, are linking to it, how many people um, mention it in in, in their documents, etc. Thank you for saying that, because it's not that Google is going to look at your writer's name and know who they are and rank it based on that. It's going to be, I'm sure, heavily dependent on link citations and mentions. 
Well, no, and again, this is scale. We're not we're not yeah. talking about if, if 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 Google was a small public library, they could go and they could have a dossier on every every one of the authors. Yeah. We're only talking uh, what like a million books in a small public library. This is scale. <laughs> like this is a yeah. world of information. Yeah, this is a trillion documents a year. Now that we've added AI, I bet it's going to be like two and three trillion documents by next year. So that would be a very impossible problem when there's other ways Google can determine. So quote, unquote, authority. And whenever things get really confusing about this stuff, and it's always, I mean, like, seriously, it gets more and more confusing. Go back to the fundamentals. How do you think it works? Um, Because often that's where the answer is. You know what, though? And then then apply it to a trillion pages. And if you can't figure out how it would scale to a trillion pages, it probably is not that. So... You know, if you're like, oh, they're going to find out every author and know everything about them. Wow. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? I was, I was, I was having a conversation. Check, I was having a conversation with a bunch of veteran developers today. Okay, I mean, these people yeah. are doing cutting edge stuff. Sure. And um, one of them was talking about Google spidering the page. How's Google going to spider this? And I'm like, well, I'm, that maybe clue in. Like, Google's not going to spider it. It already has. Google's going to render it. You got to really. I mean, and. There's these little nuances, little things that, that um, in the language um, and the, what's the right word, the realities of how things, the language of how we describe things and the realities of how things work, um, it's important to know those nuances. Because when I said limit- that, there was like an aha moment in the room. Yeah, well, the great limitation to anything, any idea you have is always process, no matter what it is, SEO or not. Like, I'd love to do this, but what's the process? Oh, yeah, that can't support it. So yeah, so process, and they do render all the pages too. So they do the crawls and the renders in a separate process. And so how that, your idea about SEO can be applied to that process over trillions of pages that they bring back with relevancy in microseconds, milliseconds. Yeah, that's where the, that's where most ideas fall apart. And on that, we have gone exactly full clock. We've been going for, speaking for 60 full minutes here on uh, Web Culture on WMR.FM. And we really want to thank the uh, folks in the producer booth. Uh, thank you, folks in the producer booth, for putting up with us for the last 60 minutes. Uh, that was a fun show. It was really cool to have uh, Calvin from uh, Brighton SEO yeah. on to make the – we were the first official announcement, eh? I know. I'm so excited that it's coming. I'm so, so excited. I got to go pitch now. And Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> okay, so brightonseo.com slash US. Go check it out. Um, if you actually end up at the Brighton SEO show in the US, it may be one of the best decisions you made in your career. Um, folks, uh, we again, we got all the way around the clock. This is, this is a really fun show today. On behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM, recorded live to podcast on the 25th of May, 2023. Be well, stay safe, uh, rank well, be kind to each other, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone.
The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.